This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to find out more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. Here, Reggie points to the process that unfolds on the journey of somatic meditation. Personal stories fall apart, and we come to trust the intimacy, humor, openness, and love that emerges when our solid sense of self is dismantled. This talk was given at the 2009 Meditating with the Body Retreat held at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado. So this brings me to an important Vajrayana teaching that is, uh, I think, very up for us. You know, even though we're not explicitly, most of us are not explicitly Vajrayana students, nevertheless, um, this whole lineage in meditating with the body is a very, very um, striking example. This whole lineage is about two things. The first thing is learning the place in ourselves that is already free, you know, emptiness, we talk about that a lot, as an experiential reality, not an idea. Learning how to touch into that and rest in it. We've been talking about that and practicing that, you know, for five months. And the other thing is, um, from that place, how to relate with the relative world. The world of traumas and families and work, psychological upheavals, the natural world, the situation on the planet at this time, society, you know, all of the, all of the things that make up relativity. How do we relate to that from a viewpoint of emptiness? And um, this is an important point because the more we practice, you know, when we begin practicing and we enter the stream, so to speak, of the teachings, initially we're very preoccupied with our own story. And our own story has actually become our reference point in our life. And each one of us is fairly narcissistic in that way, that we're completely tied up with my history, my story, my traumas, my pain, my dramas. And that's where we all begin. And, and that story becomes the way in which we make decisions about our life. You know, we have, we've come to certain conclusions about who we are and what we need and what we don't need. And, and we spend most of our life taking the situations that we meet in life, comparing them with our story, and then making decisions to reinforce the story and keep the story going. Because that's, I mean, what else do we have, really? I mean, we don't have a society that's trustworthy. We can't do that. We don't have a community. We don't have families, you know, that are okay. I mean, the families are all, you know, a big mess of codependency. So what do we have? The only thing we have is our personal story, our narrative, the drama of my life, and how I'm so different from everybody else. I'm better or I'm worse or whatever it may be. 
But the more we practice, the more the story loses its compelling nature. And I, I know you've experienced this, because um, you tell me. And you begin to find there are times when the story just isn't happening. There is no story when you're working with the body. And then there are times when you look to find out who's even in there watching the whole thing, and you can't even find that. And this can be very disturbing, you know, because our story and our sense of constantly monitoring and watching our hypervigilancy has been the way we've gotten through life. And all of a sudden, it starts cracking up. You know, it's like the ice. It starts breaking up. And it can be very, very scary. And yet, you know, you continue. You keep practicing, which is suicidal, you know, from a conventional viewpoint. It's like practice is dismantling your entire maintenance apparatus. And for some reason, you're all crazy enough to like that on some level. (laughs) And so you keep practicing and the dismantling process occurs. And then the, um, the dismantling itself becomes a reference point on the journey. And the interesting thing about the dismantling is, first of all, it's definitely something we can share. You can't really share your personal story with other people because you've developed this yourself. But the dismantling of the personal story, you can definitely share. And we kind of all go through it. So, interestingly enough, the dismantling becomes a point of connection with the Sangha. And the dismantling is real. You know, the story isn't real. And all of us kind of sense that we're always making everything up all the time. And we're constantly twisting everything and fitting everything into our little narrative. And there's a sense of unreality and isolation in that. But the dismantling is very real. The story is being dismantled. And our sense of personal, whatever it is, is being dismantled. And the solidity of our identity is being dismantled. And we share that together. So number one is it's real. You know, for the first time in our lives, we may feel something actually real is happening. And number two is it's a point of connection with other people. And it's a gateway to intimacy with others. So it's very, very interesting. And the dismantling also, um, there's a lot of humor in it. Because at a certain point, you begin to reflect back on how you try to keep it all together and how ridiculous that is and how kind of amusing it is to watch this whole edifice finally starting to crumble. And at the same time, there's also a feeling of increasing room and freedom in our lives by the very fact that the, this very oppressive story of ours is actually um, falling apart. Painful, yes. Scary, yes, but real and an opportunity for intimacy and communication with our brothers and sisters. And we realize that we're no longer isolated, actually. We are making a journey that is shared by a lot of other people and a journey that we can talk about with them and um, we can meet them. And there's a, a kind of warmth and sympathy and even love among one another that wasn't really possible when we were living within our own story alone. But then, you know, as the dismantling goes further, we start to um, 
even lose the dismantling. There are moments when even the dismantling is no longer a reference point for us, and we find ourselves in a situation of uh, tremendous openness, but it's accompanied by uncertainty. And we truly have moments when we don't know who we are and we don't know where we are. And again, it can be a, a very, that's a, a difficult moment, and we're not really prepared for it, and yet it happens. And at the same time, there's something even more real about that and more fundamental. And that is the experience, what we call the emptiness, fundamental emptiness of the self, meaning that the self isn't solid, and even the emptiness of reality itself, meaning that reality isn't anything definite anymore. We feel very groundless, um, experience is very uncertain. The things that we um, thought were one way turn out to be another. And there really is no solid uh, situation for us anymore to relate to. Even the dismantling becomes humorous and empty and open in a certain sense. When we arrive at that point, then we take a look at our world and something very interesting happens which is that we begin to realize that everything that happens in our life is a, an object for divination. There is, uh, everything presents itself. as a mystery to be contemplated. We realize that no matter what we meet in our life, initially we don't understand it, we don't know what it is. It appears very fresh and very new, as I was saying yesterday, and it's, um, it's a word that is being spoken by reality. It's something to look at, something to meditate on, even putting a stick of incense in the incense bowl. You know, you light the, you light the incense and you see how long it takes to light. And then you, you blow out the flame and you see how long it takes to blow out the flame. And then there's smoke, and you look to see, you know, how is the smoke going? What is the wind in this room? And then you put it in the incense bowl, and you see how it stands, and how the smoke is coming up, and what it smells like. And, you know, all of this is our reality. It's the universe that we are meeting in a very intimate way. And from our intimate relationship with the incense, we see what the next step is. It's almost as if we learn the language of relative reality. People sometimes say that they can understand when the birds are singing in the morning that they can understand on some level what the birds are saying. Or sometimes we feel 
when the wind blows, and particularly when we're in retreat, that we somehow somatically we understand what the wind, the wind is speaking and the wind is communicating and somehow the message registers in our body, although maybe we couldn't give words to it, still we understand it. There's a feeling of, of gathering in what the wind is about. Well, that's actually true with everything that we experience. The world is speaking to us constantly through all of our experience, whether it's our emotions or encounters with other people. We can be talking with someone and there's the explicit content of the communication, but then there's another level altogether that's going on that we're receiving. And whereas previously the story provided our map of how to live. Now it's actually relativity, the relative world, the experience that arises that is our guideline. And we learn how to be with it and we learn how to understand it. And it might not be what we think. Why did this garbage truck turn up at this moment? Why is our attention drawn to garbage? What is the role of garbage in our lives? We're constantly being interrupted by the world that's happening. And all of it is a, an object of contemplation. And all of it is reality communicating with us. Reality doesn't come from what we think. It doesn't come from books. It doesn't come from our conversations. It doesn't come from all of the talk. It doesn't come from our wishful thinking. It doesn't come from the story that we have. Reality turns up when our story is interrupted. And there's something there for us. It's not simply that our story was interrupted. Sometimes as practitioners we feel that uh, our story is interrupted and we think the interruption is the message. We see, oh, I'm interrupted, I have to let go of my story. And I see that myself is not solid. But that's not the message. The message in the Vajrayana is what interrupts us. Of course, when we're interrupted, we have to let go of what we were thinking about whatever it is. But the real point of the interruption is that reality is cracking through in the form of a garbage truck that arrives unexpectedly. 
And we have to understand what that is about, why it happened. If we suddenly receive a diagnosis that we have cancer, there's something to be understood there. The understanding is not intellectual. It's not something that we can put into words necessarily. It's somatic. The universe has landed on us in an unavoidable way and interrupted the dream that was our life and brought us back to reality. But simply coming back to reality is not the full story because we have to understand what the message is. We have to take in this particular garbage truck at this time and the impact that it has on us, on our body, on our energy, on our state of being. That's the message. So we give up, over time we give up the story as our reference point and then the world itself becomes our teacher and our guide. We talk about the different kinds of teacher and first you have the human teacher who opens your eyes to the real teacher, which is the world. And of course we do have to practice a lot in order to be able to be with relativity in that way and to understand it. So we need the teachings, we need the teacher, we need the community. But ultimately, we are bringing ourselves to a place where we have an unmediated relationship with reality itself. One of the um, things about this lineage that has been interesting for me to discover over time is that what I'm doing is, you know, following Chogyam Trungpa is helping you develop your own relationship with reality so that your relationship is unmediated by me or the teachings or Dharma Ocean or anything so that your relationship is absolutely direct with the Dharma or with reality. And of course, this is different from a lot of what goes around in organized religion and Buddhism, where your teacher is a sort of permanent mediator for you, and the lineage does the work for you, and you, the institution, does the work for you, and the, all the uh, conventions and protocols and rules and regulations um, tell you how to be and what to do. That's a mediated relationship. You know, in the extreme form in the Catholic Church or, you know, Christianity in general, you know, outside of the Church there is no salvation. That's the ultimate mediated situation, that you can't actually be face-to-face with reality without the Church and the priests and the whole apparatus. That's a mediated relationship. And what we're doing here is, and, and you know, I know you understand this very well, that I'm here for one purpose only, and that is to help you develop your own unmediated relationship with reality, so that over time you become totally direct and naked with what is ultimate in this world, with the universe as it delivers itself to you. In that sense, you are, um, you are the Buddha at that point. You are, you know, 
whatever the ultimate possibility of spirituality is, that's you and that's your life. And nobody knows what's going to come out of it. It's a sort of uh, completely unknown situation that you're going to have to find out. The more you're face to face with reality and your heart is open and totally naked to the world as it is, the more uncertain your life is going to be and the more that's going to be asked of you. It's almost as if reality is looking for people on this planet who are willing to do that. And then reality itself becomes your guide. And then the power of reality. I mean, reality is, you know, up to something. And it's up to something in terms of trying to help all these suffering beings. The nature of reality is ultimately love. And if you are willing to make this journey we're talking about, you will come into a place where reality will use you and your open heart will become a, a, a contact point between the love and power of reality itself and everybody else. And you won't be able to handle it. And that's part of the beauty, that we can't even handle it. And yet it happens. We don't understand it, and it happens anyway. So it's, um, you know, again, uh, important that we understand, you know, what's going on here and uh, what's at stake and what is possible and what's already happening. And the more we understand that, the more courage and confidence we have and the more inspiration and the more we allow ourselves to be held by the situation and not feel particularly that we have to understand things or have everything organized and pinned down um, you know, or have, uh, you know, be in control ourselves. To listen to more of Reggie and Caroline's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats and online programs, and explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your journey with somatic meditation, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion.